Hey, what do you say you and me take a walk over to the tavern? Let's pull up a chair. A little something to eat. <laughs> Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. Come on, Johnny. What are we waiting for? This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit-chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. For too long, I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mouse and Castle Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Glad to have you on board for another episode. Come on in. Grab your beverage of choice. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate based upon the time you're listening to this very podcast. You know, sometimes I um, Sometimes when I just want a little bit of peace of mind, which don't we all in these troubled times... Uh, I'll, I'll fire up the old YouTube machine and I'll punch in Walt Disney World Resort TV and just like put in the background an hour looping of the default Resort TV, which is just like the the various park graphics playing Disney music uh, at all of the Disney resorts. And I'm like, oh man, one of these days I'm going to stay at a fancy Disney resort. Disney resort. And, then, and we did. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it on the podcast. But before I get further into my awkward analogy let me bring in my co-host uh and my groomsman toast giver at my wedding reception last weekend mr aaron goins sounds like you're just coming off a disney trip Do, did i come on a little strong in this po- i feel like that was a lot for an intro that was a very involved see the uh intro dust <laughs> emanating <laughs> off of you that's a little melodramatic for an intro it is true, though. I love that resort TV, but it was so like surreal when me and my beautiful bride uh, went, walked into our room at the Grand Floridian, and there it was. They like, already had the TV on, the music playing in the background. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I did not stay at the Grand Fr- Floridian. Mm. But, what What is uh, the nicest Disney resort experience you've had? Um, I don't stay at Disney resorts too often. Yeah, I know Bonnet Creek's like a go-to for you, it's, which is really nice. I've stayed there yeah, a couple times. Yeah, that's, that's typically where I stay, which isn't, you know, it's it's definitely not a Disney property, although it's it's on Disney property, mm. but it's not owned by Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as where I've actually stayed, probably Saratoga Springs would probably be the nicest one I've stayed in, but I've visited a lot of the, the nicer ones. Yeah, you like to do like the breakfasts and... Like, like res- restaurant reservations where you can kind of experience the resorts, but whew, they are pretty yeah, pricey. I don't do the like sneak on, sneak on to a resort and park or something like that. I don't do any of that kind of <laughs> stuff. But I, I try to make like a, a meal reservation every once in a while at a nice resort just so I can kind of yeah check them out. Well, and and that was for for us. It was a it, well, it was my my wife's idea. She splurged and booked the the Grand Floridian. They had a great special too, uh, which they're still running, by the way. Um, probably trying to get uh, bookings at, at a lot of the resorts. So uh, if you're thinking about it, anytime, I think it's like mo- through most of the spring and summer, they've got some pretty good specials at some of the resorts. Um, but that that is where we stayed. In fact, that's actually what this podcast episode, this episode 53 of the Mouse and Castle podcast, we're going to talk all about our Disney experience. We're going to selfishly literally just talk about what we just did at Disney. 
There's no, there's yeah. no news. There's no like well, analysis. It's the first time you and I have been to Disney together mm. in about a year. Yeah, exactly which, a year, right? Yeah, because we went in February 2019. Mm-hmm. No, 20. 2020. 20, 20, yep. Uh, right we before we snuck it in, right? Yeah. Right before it all yeah, uh, went to hell. Went, yeah, everything went downhill with the pandemic after that. But this is a kind of our first opportunity to go together. So it's, we actually got to mm-hmm. do a lot of... A lot. We hit all four parks. We did in two days, and we were able to do a lot of it, different experiences. Um, some that were actually firsts. There's yes. Always, there's always the chance to do a first. I think yes. at Disney. So, you know, you had brought up going to the Grand Fl- Floridian, and I had been to that hotel before, like just kind of like in the lobby and stuff. Hmm. But I had never been to the rooms. Yeah. And man, I will say, I've seen a lot of rooms with a lot of good views. I don't know that I've ever been in a room that had a better view than what you guys had. Literally, like we lucked balcony, out. Yeah, balcony view of the you know the castle. Uh, yeah, you could see Space Mountain. You could see the castle. Mm-hmm. You know the lagoon and everything. Um, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with that view. I yeah. Here's my sort of two bit um, Grand Floridian review. So I like you. Um, I've almost never actually stayed on property. I think a couple, maybe a handful of times I've ever stayed on property at, at, at the Disney parks because it is such a premium. It is a, it is a very expensive um, proposition. And and one that often when I've talked to people, are like, well, they're nice, but they're not that nice. And in fact, specifically with the Grand Floridian, when we've thought about staying there before, I just look at those. I mean, it's seven $800 a night. Uh, like, it's... That's it is expensive, and so like for us, we were splurging on it for like our own like mini post reception mini moon, I guess of sorts. But, um, but still, like uh, I, I I think what I'd heard actually lowered my expectations a bit. Like, oh, the Grand Floridian's nice, but it's not that nice. I've heard that s- many times, but um, with one exception, uh, friend of the show Scott Rifen, who's always raved about how much he loves Grand Floridian. And it was. It was the the grounds were beautiful. the The service was fantastic, even in even in a limited way. That was actually probably the biggest downside. Was only what normally a five star hotel would offer um, in terms of service can't be offered because of uh, the pandemic. So, in terms of right now, but like. Um, the like for example, I I, I I we drove up in a, a very nice but very apologetic. Uh, guy at the valet area is like, well, that's the parking lot, <laughs> and just pointed over to it. Is like, I'm really sorry, we can't park the car for you. And so, um, you know, that this as an example, but I think the the real the real, I guess, value to the to the resort was its its view, the the grounds and, and the actual uh, service. What what we could have. Um, and the views, like the view, you're right. There was some, that was the sort of icing on the cake where we just open, open up the small porch and double doors. And there is the, there's Cinderella's castle right there. Um, it looked, it was absolutely beautiful. So as a, as a rare splurge, it, it was worth it. Is it the kind of thing that I think we would ever do like a week long vacation there? 
I, I don't think so. And that's just like depends on who you are and like how bougie you are and how much money you have to spend on a hotel. So is it it's an incredible value, an incredible experience that is unlike anything else you can get? Yes. Is it freaking expensive? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a two-night stay is a lot different than a seven-night stay as yes. far as how, how much it's going to hit your pocket, pocketbook. But yeah, yeah we might – we should get used to it, though, because with the Star Wars Hotel coming up, I'm pretty sure that's going to be pretty pricey. At least you'll experience. stay in that hotel probably a lot of the time. You'll probably experience more of it. We we got to experience some, but not a lot. We were at the parks every day, so we didn't yeah. really like lounge by the pool or anything, which is probably something we should have done in some ways, but... We didn't. We just didn't have the time that that weekend. So that's uh, that's my review of the Grand Floridian. Um, incredible, incredible service, incredible experience at an incredible price. <laughs> um, we also did the Skyliner thing, which I know we've talked about it. In fact, that's sort of where we made our bread and butter on the first few episodes of the show when it launched was all of the drama around the Skyliner. <laughs> but we actually got to do the complete route all the way from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, which was our first day. And I just wanted to kind of get your uh, review of the experience, um, like park hopping, quite literally on a Skyliner. Yeah, I I had been on the Skyliner before, but I'd never ridden it all the way from Hollywood Studios to Epcot. So it was yeah. kind of a cool. It was a cool experience, and you know we we had talked before about like what the Skyliner was going to be like, mm. and you know, kind of is it a good mode of transportation. And this time around, like, I was really, it was very seamless, um, comfortable, you know, the, when you're going through, um, and it has the airflow kind of going through the, Mm. you know, the vented walls. We were making fun of that back when they released their sort of PR copy of like, it'll be vented, it'll be so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, it was very comfortable. And then this time around, because I had, you know, I'd ridden it from Hollywood Studios over to Caribbean Beach uh, to grab lunch one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was like pretty much you know, really my full experience on that. But this time kind of going into Epcot, the views that we were getting were just really cool, mm. like a really cool view. So I would highly recommend if anyone's never, if you've been on it, but you just kind of went from one spot to the next and jumped off just to say you wrote it. But if you take it all the way from Hollywood studios to Epcot, it's yeah. actually like a, a really cool experience. You do have to, you do have to disembark at yes. one point, right? Like yes. you can't take the whole, you can't take it nonstop. But yeah, it was, I, I'm, I have fully come around on it, Riley. Yeah. Cause I know I was mm. kind of critical of the idea of the Skyliner and if it was going to be kind of an eyesore, but they, they really did a good job with these. They, they're very, the way that they've situated them, the, the way that they've designed them, they look cool. Like when you it, see them going through the sky, it does. It looks kind of cool. They're they are they are brightly colored, but not gaudy. Like in a, a little character where you get to, it's something for the kids of like, oh, we're on the Monsters Inc. one this time, or we're on the Star Wars one this time. I I like that. That's cute, and I think kids are enjoying it. But the most important thing, I think, the most the well, the most important success of the Skyliner as it as an experience is the views, incredible views, and it's very peaceful. The um, the greatest, uh, I, I guess, maybe runner-up to that is you walk right outside of the gate of the park and your legs are tired and your feet are sore because you're old. 
talking about me. Uh, and you just like waltz over and you sit your butt down and just enjoy an amazing uh, view while you rest your feet. You're not walking out a quarter mile across two or two different parking lots. You're not having to drive. You're not having to wait 20 minutes for a bus. You're just getting on this on the gondola and riding it peacefully over to the next part, resting your feet while the cool breeze washes across your face. It's a great experience. And I mean, it really does kind of, the, the resorts that it touches, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely, that would be a selling point for me now. Oh, for if sure. I, if I stayed at, you know, for example, like Caribbean Beach or, or Riviera, where I'm staying somewhere where I can take the Skyliner, you know, to, I can't take it to all four parks, but you can take it to Epcot, you can take it to, you know, Hollywood Studios. And basically, if you take it to Epcot, you know, once the monorail's back up and running, you can take the monorail over from Epcot to Magic Kingdom. So you pretty much have access to three parks. <laughs> Except poor old Animal um, Kingdom, which remains like way off to the... Is the one where you need, you know, other transportation. But yeah, it, it beats it beats trying to find your car in the parking lot. Like you said, it beats trying to pack onto a bus. Um, Skyliner is is a great option for getting around. Yes, yeah. No, the... And, and, and the route is... I, I love how... Essentially, so the three resorts that it are are the the primary ones is that, and I think this is the reason they they had it there, is the Art of Animation and Pop Century as more budget resorts. It gives Mm -hmm. a selling point for those, and that's where it dips to the south. And then, like, the exchange that you you get off at is the um, Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort, and then you have the option to get off at Riviera Resort, if you want to, or you can just stay on like we did. And that's where you, you take it over to Epcot and it has this kind of cool exchange where it changes directions. It slows down quite a bit. Uh, and then, and then makes its way back North to Epcot. But it is a, I mean, it's an incredible, it's such a great experience. It makes me really wonder and wish that they could, um, get that entrance, uh, get a gondola transportation out to the other parks, but I'm sure it would be pretty expensive. Maybe they'll do it. I guess we'll we'll see how big of a hit, but it seems to be a pretty big hit. I'm not sure what that looks like as far as getting over to Animal Kingdom from there. I feel like it might be a it's a, ways. a bit of a ways, and yeah. so that might be you know not worth the infrastructure it would take for them to get over there. But yeah, you know, it's it's a nice alternative for um, sure. You know, where Magic Kingdom and Epcot kind of have the monorail that goes back and forth. Now you have the option to go from Epcot to Hollywood Studios. So. Yeah, and the monorail again is kind of a not not as good of not the view, but an, an, a similar great experience of just like walking outside the gate, sitting down, and and taking right. off to to your your next park. So yeah, it was worth. It's funny as much as we've talked about it, I thought it was worth rehacking and talking a little bit about the uh, the Skyliner. But let's get into and there's really I've I've broken up into three three more topics, Aaron, and one dedicated topic is just the food. We're going full on AJ Disney food blog style, and we have to talk about the food. <laughs> and we weren't even there for a festival. We no. were in between festivals. This we is were, pre. We missed Flower and Garden by a week. We did. We did. So, but we still found great food. So in no particular order of the the parks that we went to, but I I diligently documented everything we ate. Well, and most everything we drank. <laughs> so funny how that works. Um, <laughs> But uh, the first one I wanted to hit right off the top is actually kind of how we ended our trip, uh, but Flame Tree Barbecue. Uh, and I want, Aaron, you to describe your experience at Flame Tree Barbecue and, and give your review. Well, I had never been 
you know, so I, I go to Animal Kingdom a lot, and I, I love that park. It's actually my favorite Disney park. And, you know, I've tried different food all throughout that park, but for whatever reason, I had never gone to Flame Tree Barbecue. I try, I think maybe because, like, when I hear the word barbecue, mm. I think very, like, American. Yes. American food, and you're kind of, if you're at Animal Kingdom, it feels like it's a waste to kind of, oh, I'm just going to go get, like, a burger. Or I'm going to go, <laughs> you know, just get American food. You know, there's other international flavors at that park that I tend to try to find. Uh, but you and Savannah really wanted to to go there, so I was like, okay. And I ordered the pulled pork and mac and cheese. I mm-hmm. think I'm not sure the official name of it. It but is that's the what signature dish. Yes. Okay. And you know, we get there, get that, get a drink, and you know, you guys kind of guide me back to where the seating area is, and I'm like, oh, this is like a I've never even you know seen this area of the park before. The seating area for this place is beautiful. It's yeah. like this pavilion type thing, multi-leveled. There's like, I don't know even how to describe it to give it, you know, to give it to, you know, it's, do it justice. But yeah, and it's on the center island, and it's it's kind of tucked away. Um, you don't. Yeah, you can't see it from like if you're just walking around yeah. on Discovery Island. You don't really see this kind of extended seating area. Um, that's I think I guess this seating area is specifically for this restaurant. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. it is, and, and and there's tons of it too. It's it's really yeah. a, its own sort of resting area because they have a couple different pavilions and seating areas, and even one down by that has a view of the the lake, uh, literally on the opposite side of all the bleachers for the old um, uh, show that they used to have at Animal Kingdom. Uh, but that honestly, that the seating area is it, as, as as weird as it may sound, this might be the, its greatest selling point. Oh yeah, and it, the. I haven't, like I said, I hadn't eaten there before, so this is the only food item I've had from there. But the pulled pork with the mac and cheese was was so good too. Yes. Like so, I'm definitely, you know, because I do have another trip planned in the near future to go down there again. So that's one that I'm adding to my list. Is like, okay, this is a regular. This is gonna be a regular spot for me, a regular stop. Um, yes. And when you're with a family, finding good seating is. You know, it's a premium. You you really need that to find some you yes. know, areas that you can just sit down and relax. And this this area of the park is a new discovery for me, but I'm excited about. Well, and it, it's befitting because it's on Discovery Island. It is. I it is definitely did not Island. look that up, by the way. No, uh, <laughs> no, it is. So it's on Discovery Island, right? As you kind of cross through the, the the go through the entrance, cross the bridge onto Discovery Island. If you just mosey to the right, that's where Flame Tree Barbecue is, and then it's uh, kind of downhill behind it is where all the pavilions and seating area and stuff like that is. So you've got like Isle of Java, the Tree of Life card, and the Flame Tree Barbecue all right there, and it's kind of neat how it's. It's not super heavily trafficked. And here's the other thing that I wanted to bring in, because this kind of applies across the board to the rest of the food experiences, which is kind of new for you, as I understand, which is the the world of mobile ordering. Um, it's still kind of limited, but slowly growing throughout the various parks of which places offer mobile ordering through the Disney app. But it was one of them and a, an example of uh, the convenience that I've come to absolutely depend on for removing that waiting in line while you're hot and hungry for food. And by removing that experience from the parks, I would say like 20 or so percent improvement in park experience, not waiting in line for food. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm so old school and like jaded and I, any type of new technology, I'm like, I don't need that. Like, you know, is it really saving me that much time? But 
it's been forced upon me. Yes. Because with the pandemic, they a lot of these places they're only allowing mobile order. You yes. can't even go up and wait in line if you wanted to to and go I, to some of these. And I keep seeing shows. a lot of disappointed people like walk trying to walk up and they're like, "There's the QR code display." They're like, "Yes, sir, sorry, you gotta you gotta go to the app." And uh. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. If you want to, if you want to Ronto wrap, you gotta order it <laughs> yep. online. So. But yeah, it's been forced upon me. So the last couple of times I've gone to Disney was the only option I had if I wanted to go mm. quick service. So, yep. but now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I can see, I can see why this is a, a good option. You, you put it in. There's no pressure. You don't even have to talk to anybody. You just no. <laughs> and it's cool because you can really take. You know, you look at the menu items and you can actually, you know, special. You can add stuff. You know, remove stuff. You know, little. Yeah. You know, you can get pretty detailed with what you're you ordering. No extra pickles, no coleslaw, but without being that guy asking for extra pickles yeah, and no exactly. coleslaw in line. <laughs> yeah, and I could definitely see this being nice when you go there with like a family of four, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, who's getting what, and you get up to the and you're like yelling back at your wife, like, <laughs> what do they want? What do you want to drink again? You know, so this way you can order it all on the app. It gives you like a time, you know, a return time or a time to go pick it up. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's really like. You know, I wouldn't say that I love the Disney app in general because no. it's definitely got its quirks. But this element of the app, they really do really well. They do, they do, and and I think they've um, they've improved it a lot in terms of just the stability of the app, so to where it actually works, which is important. And essentially, you can go through the menu, you select your items, you add. Um, your own credit card or debit card, or they just opened up Disney gift cards um, uh, where you can punch it in and, and pay for it directly through the app. Uh, and then once you select it, it tells you the next um, order window. And usually it's about, depending on the restaurant, you can select immediately up to half hour out. Like the busiest restaurants you might, you would put in your order a half hour ahead of time. And then once that window opens, then you click the I'm here button. Or if you're like me and you like really want to minimize the waiting for food thing, you like hit the I'm here button, even if you're all the way over in Asia and still have to walk all the way across uh, Discovery Island because you're kind of gambling that that food will be ready as you walk up to the, uh, it'll be like a flawless, you walk up to the de- and someone like magically is ha- handing you your prepared food as they just waved a wand and it appeared at the right time. But that's what I like to do. <laughs> It worked out. Our last Flame Tree Barbecue, I think we pretty much timed it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you're risking if you don't show up on they, time. They literally are. Like, when they hit that button, they say it's ready. That means that someone is, it's like literally there on the counter. And they're like, yep, pick up number two. But it means it's a very efficient system and it keeps, keeps and this is the other thing, and, and I'm sure this is a COVID uh, a thing, but with the mobile order stations, there's no crowds around the restaurant because you don't go there until the app's notified you that it's time to walk up and pick up your food. So... Uh, big uh, big old thumbs up on mobile food ordering. You had the baked mac and cheese with uh, onion rings and uh, barbecue. I had the pulled pork sandwich. Both of those dishes are amazing. I'm going to say about four out of five for the sandwich. Solid. But I'm going to say it's going to have to be five out of five for the flagship baked mac and cheese. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know that I've had better you know, a better version of that. I know I've, I've had that, you know, at other places, but they they really nailed it. Maybe I was just really hungry. (laughs) That's true. It was the end of a long day after two full days at the park. So, and the little, there was just like three little onion rings on top, Mm -hmm. but even those were just really, it's like onion rings can be made in so many different ways. Yes, this is true. But these onion rings were nice and crispy. They had that. They had the crunch. uh, 
they had the crunchy, you know, kind of outer layer, not that kind of, you know, kind of mm. greasy, soggy type no. that you can get from time to time. Mm-mm. So yeah, I was two thumbs up on on that yeah. one. We made you eat a lot of barbecue because the other restaurant I want to get your review is Regal Eagle Smokehouse at Epcot, which was uh, the first day. In fact, that was one of the main reasons we went to Epcot because we were between festivals. It's literally the weekend between Flower and Garden and uh, I don't even remember what the other one was. But between festivals, we were at Epcot. The art? Yeah, Festival of the Arts. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we were in the dead zone in between festivals. And uh, it was, you know, like... I was actually, it was kind of nice to be at Epcot when, because I feel like every time I go to Epcot, mm-hmm. it's either in, I typically go in either March slash April or October. Those, those for whatever reason, tend to be the months I'm at Disney. And there's, it's always either Flower Garden, Flower and Garden or mm-hmm. Wine and Dine or Food and Wine. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it was kind of nice to just be there without the uh, festival crowds. Yeah, no. And that was kind of my theory and what I was hoping when we were thinking about like, hey, do we really, we were going to do a pretty full day at Hollywood Studios. Um, Sometimes park hopping, I think, is overrated. It like rushes you and you don't need to. And, Mm -hmm. but in this case, that was like, well, I bet it actually will be pretty empty and it ended up being a lot less crowds. But we wanted to um, do the Regal Eagle Smokehouse because I had seen it on the Disney Plus documentary. Um, and they kind of did this really cool feature on the Disney Insider mini documentary series where they talk about different aspects of the company, different experiences, people who work in different jobs. And uh, they talk about the process of designing a new restaurant, including choosing the theme, the menu, taste test, trials, like professional chefs weighing in, weighing costs versus profit, pricing out, and then like the whole set decorating and everything. And it was fascinating to see how they're like, we want a barbecue restaurant at Epcot. How do we design that? And that's kind of what that made me. Okay, I've definitely got to go here. Also, I like barbecue. Can you tell? But I, I want to. I feel like this was not as much a favorite of yours versus the um, Flame Tree Barbecue of the two barbecue places we went over those yeah. two days. Flame Tree was way better for me. I think partially because the food was top notch. At least the one I got. Yeah. And then um, the just the ambiance of where we were sitting mm-hmm. yes. just was was so nice. Whereas the the other one, Smokehouse, was the food was good. Like I can't honestly. I'm trying to remember what I had. <laughs> I think I, I, it was had, some sort of like a. Me and Savannah had split like the uh, the brisket sandwich, which was pretty good. I'd say four out of five, like solid. Not like the best barbecue I've had, but also I lived in Texas for a year, so I'm spoiled. Yeah, um. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But I guess I had, I think I did have brisket. It wasn't a sandwich, but I think it was just like the brisket mm-hmm. with, you know, with like a, you know, the piece of bread or whatever that came with yeah, it. Yeah, the garlic, t- on garlic toast, garlic actually. Garlic toast. Yeah, because their brisket sandwich was served on garlic toast, which is kind of different for a brisket sandwich, but it actually worked pretty well. Yeah. So I thought the food was good. It was more the actual theming I wasn't that thrilled with. Mm-hmm. I just felt really fast foody and like uh, I just didn't think that kind of it's almost like in this really big open room with kind of like the fast food benches and stuff. And I just thought they could have done a little bit more to make the theming feel a little bit more authentic. I know it's supposed to I guess it's supposed to be like, you know, you had, you were kind of trying to explain to me what they were going for. Yeah, which which is probably a 
its own sign that they didn't succeed was I was kind of like trying to like, well, like in the documentary, it's like Sam the Eagle wants to do a barbecue. And so there's this big barbecue competition and this is the restaurant. You can see all the rest. <laughs> but I, in so doing, I'm realizing, yeah, I have to actually kind of like walk you through the theming because it's pretty subtle. But the idea is, so like it's a salute to barbecue. So it's like Sam the Eagle, all American, um, we're going to celebrate the regions of American backyard barbecue and craft beer. So it's like barbecue and beer, this is the place to be. And the whole idea is like to to capture the the sort of barbecue competition culture, which, you know, for those for those of you like who live in big barbecue, um where that you know regions of the country where that's a thing, which which I did when I uh me and my uh uh, why we're stationed in, in Texas. That's like a thing, like the summer barbecue festival or barbecue competition. That's like, it's a, it's an institution and it's really, I am, I'm excited that they sort of recognize that as a distinctly American sort of cu- cultural element that isn't really something in the areas where Disney as a production company is based. So you think about a lot of the executives and and the culture at Disney. A lot of their their headquarters and operations are in the LA area and the New York media scene and it's sort of like there the, without getting into the politics of it. There there are cultural differences depending on where you are in the country. So I, I thought it was kind of interesting of doing a old school barbecue theme at a new restaurant in Epcot. Not not the first thing I would have thought if they're going to invest in a new restaurant there. But um the menu's great, but I'm with you on like they. I think they almost went a little too subtle and too involved in the story to to really accomplish what they were. I'm kind of I'm trying to like, I'm searching for the best way to describe it, but it is a difficult to describe experience or like at least to to, to communicate what they're going for. I guess. Yeah, I didn't. It just didn't work for me when I even when I think like a barbecue competition or festival or something like. I'm thinking like picnic tables outside. Yes, you know, which like there. To be fair, we did dine inside, and they have that a bunch of picnic tables outside set up they like do. that. Yeah, yeah. But but it, the inside is just like this really big open building. Yeah, with the Wendy's um, chairs. Yeah, uh, exactly. With the fast food <laughs> kind of benches, which that really that's what even if off. they had just done like a little bit more of a rustic kind of look with some wooden yeah. tables and wooden chairs, and um, you yeah. know, it's right next to the the big building that's kind of like in the American Pavilion that looks like a you know a building out of Boston or Philadelphia yeah you know kind of that old school America look and so to go with like kind of more of a modern barbecue right next to it like for me it just didn't I know we're like digging way too deep into like <laughs> but this we are getting evaluating this restaurant but um, listen yeah, that's what we do here. It wasn't my uh, it wasn't my favorite. The food was okay, but I don't know that this would be like top of my list to go back to. Yeah, uh, it, it would be in that it had mobile ordering, which is actually very few of the Epcot locations have have upgraded to mobile ordering yet. So that's it. Honestly, am, a, I'm much more of a sit down restaurant person too. Yeah, at, at Disney, I really like the experience of having a re- reservation time, go mm. sit down somewhere that I'm guaranteed. You know, there's always that stress. Like yeah. we were lucky with you know this particular meal, there yeah. was no problem at all. We there was plenty of tables. But I've I've gone to restaurants at Disney before where you get your food, quick service, and there's nowhere to sit. You're kind of mm-hmm. standing around waiting for somebody to get up. You know, so you can rush over and you know find a table big enough for all, <laughs> you and all your friends. Everybody's grumpy while just, they're waiting. Yep. Yeah, it's a stressful experience. I like you know the sit down 
experience where you're mm. guaranteed a table. You know exactly what time you're eating. You know it's going to be air conditioned. You know, like it's just um, that's t- typically what I go for. So a lot of these quick service places I haven't even tried. Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, and it's um, I I, I haven't had that experience as much. Other than that one really expensive uh, character meal that you and I had that you totally <laughs> drugged me into when I was a broke college student, mind you, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Uh, this is years and years ago. And we did this $60 buffet, char- like Halloween-themed Mickey and Minnie character uh, lunch <laughs> at we, Hollywood Studios. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I was just looking for the first thing that had availability. I had no idea it was a character meal. Or that it was a buffet. That yeah, I should have read the description. Yeah. Um, all right. So you 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 think that with this kind of in depth coverage and conversation and reviews of, of of Disney restaurants and food that we'd be done, but we're not. I'll we're go a little more. I'll go a little more rapid fire with the following items. But I wanted to do a quick. And if I miss anything, uh, let me know. Once again, the Ronto Wrap is takes the star as my my favorite Disney. Um, quick quick service uh, item period hands down yeah easy absolutely delicious and they had a new drink that I, at least i hadn't tried before it feels like the time different times i've been to galaxy's edge every time i go to ronto roasters they always have different drinks mm. it's not always the same drinks they kind of sw- keep switching them up yes but this time around i forget what it was called the surly Something. sarlacc my friend oh i'm glad mm. you took notes mm-hmm. the surly sarlacc uh, was delicious like it, almost too. It was it, it went was down too easy. Da- this dangerously is a drink, and so like I only had one. I know not. I know others in our party had more than one. I won't say any names, <laughs> but <laughs> it was like it was such a good drink. It could currently be my favorite drink at Disney World, and I I hope I they think, still have it when I'm back down there. I I yeah I think um it it was new as they introduced it in. Like right at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, so it, was, it they'd been out a while with a couple of their cocktails. I think it replaced a different one, but it's essentially, um, it's a little. I mean, like all the cocktails, it's a little, a little pricey. All the stuff in Galaxy's Edge, it's yes, a little. Oh goodness, but it's yeah. basically so it's um, kettle one botanical grapefruit and rose and rose uh, vodka with Minute Maid Limeade, raspberry, and spicy mango flavors. And it's the um, spicy mango that, ooh, that just puts the, uh, I don't know, it's the cherry It wasn't too top. spicy because it went down really smooth. No, just a hint, yeah. just a hint. Yeah, just but a I liked hint. in that a lot, of di- a lot of cocktails that you can get at Disney are just sickly sweet, so much sugar. Mm, true. Um, and so I liked that it, it, it had a, a much more, <clears throat> wait for it, Diverse flavor profile. <laughs> um, so, so enough about that. Uh, this really sorry. Like, um, we went to a. Uh, I feel like this is. A, I, I hope my parents aren't listening to this. We went to a tequila bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We. I didn't even know there was a tequila bar in Epcot. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. And they but, took us in like some back doorway too, was, because I guess they were trying to. Hmm. control the traffic for uh you know pandemic traffic or whatever but yeah no this is um, in in the mexico pavilion inside um they have a dedicated tequila bar with a bunch of a very wide selection of uh of cocktails now um it, uh, of of any t- cocktail bait well any liquor based cocktail tequila is my favorite my personal go-to um so of course i'm excited about this but what i tried was 
much to the sh- sh- not chagrin, but like a little bit of sticker shock for Savannah uh, when I when I told her <laughs> the twenty one dollar. I had to Google it. Ooh. It is the Black Magic created by Neil Patrick Harris, uh, which really? is yeah yeah. It is. Um, Did you know this at the time? Uh, yeah, of course. Neil, you ordered it? Yeah, I did. It had right there, big on the signs, like Neil, designed by Neil Patrick Harris. It's like he was smiling right at, right there, just asking me. He's like, "Order, it, Riley. It's fine. Whatever. It's twenty one dollars." But, but it's um, uh, how to describe it? It's it ha- it's a mezcal based cocktail. So they use blackberry puree, uh, cassis liqueur with lime and mint, and it's served as a frozen sort of slushy. Um, but it's actually it's got. It's very tart, and again, not not like crazy, crazy sweet like a lot of these cocktails are. So uh, it's just a the anything blackberry. I'm already always a fan of, which is why I ordered it. Any kind of black blackberry, black currant, and they're they're not often on a standard bars kind of go to cocktail menu. But of course, with they had a ton of options there, so that's why I. But I had to go for it when I saw it was blackberry, and it was perfect. Except for I'm not like a mint guy, but it it wasn't overwhelming. It was it did keep it as a refreshing kind of aftertaste. Um, but I'm not really a mint guy, so that'd be the only thing I changed. But as far as the the cocktails there, I I highly recommend it if you're a tequila person, which I am. My wife is not at all. I'm not either. I actually, it's one it's one kind of alcohol I never have in my house. I just for whatever reason, I've never really, you know, enjoyed tequila-based cocktails. I'm much yeah. more of a vodka, rum, well, uh, maybe gin occasionally, but yeah. never tequila. So when we went to this bar, I thought, okay, it's a tequila bar, but they're going to have other options. But they didn't. It was literally <laughs> everything was tequila. Let's be honest. I dragged everybody in there. <laughs> yeah, and which was fine. And I, so I saw one thing on the menu that I was like, oh, maybe it's, it was just called the cucumber. Okay. And I do like cucumber-based cocktails. So yes. I'm like, okay, well, I'll get this one. And it, it tasted like cucumber. So it was, you know, it was mm. pretty good. I, I'm i Like I said, I'm not a huge tequila fan, so I, I wouldn't have necessarily yeah. picked it. But since it was it was the only option I had, I went for that one. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good, though. But it was more the dis- discovery of the fact that there's this, like, hole-in-the-wall <laughs> tequila bar in, yeah. the, in, the, in that Aztec, you know, kind of pyramid. Yes. Uh, I never realized that it is that was tucked thin. away. It, it's not very noticeable because there's a restaurant back there, a bunch of shopping. I've been back there a couple times, but I never noticed it. So I was I was pretty excited to to make that discovery. Um, uh, a couple more quick rapid fire items: uh, corn dog nuggets. Now you might think that's like at every park fair that I've ever been to, but um, they're some of my faves. They're Savannah's absolute faves. Uh, I would say probably her second favorite. I think um, Ronto Wrap still takes the number one spot, but they're gone. Like they're normally served at Casey's uh, right there on Main Street, which has been closed during the whole pandemic. Um, and so they just brought them back. Th- and we know, only know this because we are the kind of nerds that read this stuff on Disney Food Blog. Um, uh, we read that they were bringing them back over at Westward Ho in Frontierland. And so Savannah dashed off while I was waiting in the long line for Seven Doors Mine Train and, uh, and grabbed a few. And they're back. They're back in the park. And if you like them and if you miss Casey's, uh, Westward Ho is serving a lot of the items that Casey's used to serve there on Main Street. So that was pretty, pretty sweet. Four out of five stars, I'd say. Solid. Um, yeah. I had a similar experience in that there's a f- favorite food item at magic kingdom that i was afraid i was gonna be able to get because i really like the lobster roll yes that you can get at columbia harbor house 
and Columbia Harbor House has been closed. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I just Googled it and was just like, okay, there's got to be somewhere, somewhere else in the park I can get one. And sure enough, they took some of the Columbia Harbor House menu and added it to the uh, Tomorrowland Terrace. Yeah. So I was able to go over there and grab uh, a lobster roll, which was, which made me very happy because oh. that's, there's a few food items across the the Disney parks. You were happy. Have, you were pretty excited for that lobster yeah, roll. They're huh? kind of a staple for me. Like I, if I can get it, I'm going to get it. And in this case, I was very happy. I was able to grab my lobster roll. Yeah. No, that's, that's, and, and you, it was over at the, um, uh, it was over in Tomorrowland, that one diner. Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland Terrace. Tomorrowland Terrace. That's right. And uh, yeah, that was um, a, a nice little touch. I like the terrace because it's always tucked away. It's never too crowded too, which is pretty nice, especially during uh, the pandemic. So, uh, and I actually, speaking of Tomorrowland, I'll, I'll just toss in my mention there. I did stop and get, um, because the, and this is a fun tip for you guys, the the Main Street Bakery, absolutely not crowded because they have the line spread out, but the line just goes all the way down pretty much to the park entrance the whole way down Main Street, the line to get into the Main Street Bakery, which serves the coveted Starbucks coffee, which is like a, a go-to for us when you first enter the park. So I went over to uh, Joffrey's in Tomorrowland, which often actually is, is featured on Disney Food Blog because they're often serving a, a specialty snack or coffee of some kind. And, and currently, um, it's, it's called Revive, jo- Joffrey's Revive Coffee Kiosk. And it's tucked right back there in the center of Tomorrowland. And they had the uh, Mission to S'mores um, uh, coffee. And I don't know how to describe this. On my notes that I have here, I literally just said a lot. <laughs> That's all I can describe this thing. That's the way a lot of these, a lot of these things at Disney are a lot, like especially dessert-based things. I mm-hmm. see pictures of it, and I'm like, I don't even want that. It's just too much going on. And you should. I think you guys had grabbed this before I was even before I'd even met mm-hmm. up with you. So the so you official picture of it. The official description is Mission to S'mores Revive uh, Revive Artisan Roasted Coffee Espresso mixed with white chocolate sauce, chocolate sauce, marshmallow syrup, and topped with whipped cream and graham crackers. And then also chocolate drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> How many and, different syrups can it have? I don't know. But so, and I and I read the description, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be sickly sweet. So I walked up to the to the um, to the nice uh, lady there, and I was like, hey, um, could I snag an extra shot of espresso? Which is a, a go to for me on, in Starbucks orders on some of the sweeter drinks. I'll add a shot, and it, it's a little bit of extra bitterness, and it kind of. Come, it, it takes the sickly sweet out, which and I have a sweet tooth, but man, some of the sweetest uh, coffees will will be too much sugar for me, and and so the, the, she looks right back at me, Savannah standing right next to me, and she's like, "It has three shots." <laughs> <laughs> Make it four, and I was like, "Okay, all right, three, three shots." Because like most for uh, if you're not a coffee person, most Starbucks like grande drinks, it's usually two shots, two shot, two espresso shots, threes. But that it had to because to even like kind of taste the coffee through the just sheer amounts of syrup, <laughs> you'd have to. It tasted amazing, but it was so rich. I got through maybe half of it, and that's me. I can drink, I can drink sugary coffee with the best of them. But I got about halfway through, and I had to toss it. <laughs> Three out of five stars is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and then, okay, last and last, I love I love how we, we're really embracing our inner AJ here, uh, our inner Disney food blog. But uh, take us out, Aaron, with your review of the Rhea Mighty Mist, a specialty oh, yeah. uh, serve. This is one I saw 
you know, going around on Instagram and different the different Disney accounts were kind of sh- showing pictures of this one. So I thought it looked interesting. And um, it's basically like, it's a soft serve ice cream. Yes. That I forget the exact flavors that are. You probably have the description. Strawberry of. vanilla. Yeah, strawberry vanilla ice cream. Okay. Strawberry vanilla ice cream. You have a waffle cone. The waffle cone, I believe, is dipped in like a white chocolate. Yes. But, it, but it, the the white chocolate's kind of dyed blue. And then it's got like a uh, kind of a sugary sprinkle um, coating around it as well. And it's it get, it's supposed to emulate the colors of at least kind of the dragon that's in, yes. in the, the Raya movie. Uh, and I just thought it looked cool. And yeah, I thought, I mean, it was good. I mm-hmm. would say the, the ice cream kind of tastes like crunch berries, <laughs> like Captain Crunch Berries. Yeah, yeah. It's good. And I'm a big fan of waffle cones. But it was a lot. It was a lot. So I don't even. I don't think I even finished. I think maybe about half of it. Yeah, it was rich, but not not crazy. I mean, it tasted good to me. The uh, the the appeal of it, like you say, is kind of it is one of those Instagram pictures. And and I was slightly disappointed that our particular renditions were. Yeah. Not so. The, um, the, the guy working the stand wasn't. He he was. He didn't really care to keep it Instagrammable. He, he kind of shoved mine down into the cup and like smashed the colors together, and it was just like, oh, I can't even take a picture of this. Excuse thing me, now. you don't understand, sir. I have a, a a famous Disney podcast. I am an influencer, a Disney influencer. I need my picture for my Instagram. <laughs> Riley's joking. We know we're not influencers. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yes, we we do know, and so does the guy serving us ice cream. The uh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> like, these guys don't care. Just, yeah, if we were like twenty three and had like a big old camera strapped around our our neck and had our 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 our, our boyfriend <laughs> filming for us, yeah, we, like, and I saw some of like those regular tourists probably. So he just gave us the regular tourist version. <laughs> yes, uh, I think so, and that wraps up the most involved food segment we've ever done. And listen, we've covered the food and wine festival, but that is the most involved food segment we've ever done on the podcast. And we didn't even talk about the, uh, the, uh, toy story pop tart thing that I got. Oh yeah, the, you did. I, I did. I forgot that to put that down for me. Yeah. yeah. That was, was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, I like, it was more for the aesthetic, the look of it, you know, it's, it kind of had the, uh, the Pixar ball, mm-hmm. the, the blue icing, uh, it's basically like a you know a pop tart an upgrade yeah an upgraded pop tart um, yeah it's like a, a homemade pop tart so yeah. it, it tasted way more you know less less manufactured I guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and it was like lemon blueberry I believe were the flavors and I'm not a big lemon fan but the lemon was pretty subtle I think it was mostly just the kind of crust that had the lemony flavor flavor but the yeah. actual filling was blueberry. And um, it was big enough that we kind of just broke pieces off and shared it around between the mm. six of us yeah. that were there. And um, yeah, or was it seven of us? Yeah, yeah, but it was it was a it was a solid dessert. And apparently, they kind of switch it up for different events. Yeah, um, different depending on the time of year, different events that are going on, so you can get different versions of it. So I, I would definitely go back and try if they had different versions i hear they have a s'mores version oh. so i might wait for that one to come around that's definitely it was definitely a berry tart flavor which yeah. i and i feel like this is a this is a new chapter in your own disney fandom of sorts for the parks because i don't think i've ever noticed when we've hung out of the parks you've never really been the guy that like try to find specific food items and like go seek them out and and and, and you know do the taste testing disney food blog thing 
No, you're right. That's not that's not me at all. And it's partially just because I don't like the hassle of trying to figure it out, like try to find yeah. something and be like, yeah. okay, which location is it at? For me, it's kind of I'm a you know whatever I happen upon. You know, I'm a, yeah. a eater of convenience. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so the the exception being when there's a festival, food and wine festival, or flower and garden, I will look at the menus. I will target certain items. Yeah. But just in general, Disney food hasn't really been a big thing for me. But this trip, this trip might kind of change that a little bit. I actually yeah. feel like it paid off to be for a little sure. bit more experimental or to look for different food items. And I'm excited to kind of maybe find some other new things yeah. next time I go to Disney. No, for sure. I mean, for me in Savannah, it's been this, a similar experience. Only the last time or two that we've gone to the parks have we actually made like seeking out food items part of our sort of our, our experience. And it's fun. It's a, it's a it's a different dimension to the park, and it's something that Disney. I mean, you guys all know this, but it's something that they've really worked r- hard to make a part of the experience and appeal of the parks. And and I think we're growing to you know embrace that a little bit more and more. Riley, 10-second review of the mm-hmm. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh. Because <laughs> you, we, you, we, you, you know what? Actually, I, I, you heard the music in the background, but it is merely a transition, sir, because we have we still have two things. We still have our rides and experiences where we're going to hit on some of the new, and this always happens at the parks, but our uh, ch- first chance, especially me, at uh, a new ride or experience that we've never done before, and it involves Winnie the Pooh, involves the Tomorrowland Speedway, Hold on to your horses, ladies and gentlemen. Oh wait, and, there's another segment. And oh yes, oh yes. Oh, I thought I'm, you were playing us uh, out. Okay. Oh no, sir. And then, I and most importantly, seconds. it involves meerkats, gorilla falls, and a jealous Disney cast members. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back with that. <laughs> Now, this is just our second wind. We're not done. Don't don't you worry. It is like Wait. technically the music that we normally use for our outro, but uh, I'm not done. You've done it to me before where we'll have like all this stuff that we're going to talk about, and then we get about halfway through it, and then you end the show. Uh, and so, so, so it was kind of just par for the course. That no, I that's we true. <laughs> that's true, but I can't. There's, there's, there's so much to talk about. Actually, I don't know how much there is to talk about, but there's these few items that we we do need to hit, I feel like. And one is Winnie the Pooh. The mm-hmm. iconic Disney movie movies of my childhood, um, and I'd never gone to the to the Winnie the Pooh ride, and so we did it just kind of on a lark, and and it was it was really fun. I loved how the the whole concept of going inside a storybook. And, and Aaron, do you know? I know it was a reskin of an old ride. I don't know which one. But I, I know uh, that they Mr. definitely. Toad's, oh, Mr. that's Toad's Wild Ride. I think it was called. Okay. Yeah, that was. Yeah, they did reskin it. It's been a while now, so it's not something super recent. But they did uh, replace that ride, which which I think met with some, you know, resistance of kind of the more classic Disney fans weren't too happy to see that. I think people have come around at this point, but but yeah, it was so. It's pretty much just kind of you know the same like they do with a lot of Disney rides. They just kind of mm-hmm. keep the same ride experience, but just change up what you see and. Yeah. Kind of give it a fresh coat of paint. So. Yeah. Next up is is Splash Mountain, really for 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 that yeah. for that treatment. Yeah. But yeah, the mini adventures of of Winnie the Pooh. It's really cute. It was a big hit with the kids. It was, it was a very popular ride with the kids. So it was it was neat to see the whole concept of a storybook coming to life. Quite literally, as you finish it, the sort of pages turning, just sort of like the classic original Winnie the Pooh film, where you're going inside the book 
Um, I, they literally constructed the ride like that. So it, hits, it, it hit all the nostalgia buttons for me. Uh, I was a big fan. Um, now, uh, mm-hmm. quick question. Have you ridden the Peter Pan ride? Only recently. The last time okay. um, me and Savannah went, um, which would have been at the beginning of the year we went over mlk weekend i want to say it was my first time it was very it was either that or or the end of last year when we went but it was i very recently experienced that ride and it's okay. old it's old school yeah you're you're checking off your you know your checklist yes getting, you know the things you haven't done is getting smaller and smaller which i which is part of the reason why we talked you into going on the the winnie the pooh ride because yes. we were going to do haunted mansion Yes. And I had mentioned the Winnie the Pooh ride, and you said, "Oh, I've never ridden that." Like, and that was kind of the ride. That was the mode of the afternoon once. because um, the the other thing that I'd just done that day, just because I'd never done it before, so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it. There's no wait, and so I drug Savannah over to the Tomorrowland Speedway, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, and got to ride around the track. Taking the fumes, <laughs> and, and man, does it smell like gasoline fumes <laughs> down there. That's one that I'm actually really surprised hasn't been updated yet or just yeah. not even updated, just like bulldozed and put no. <laughs> something brand new there. Like you don't don't reskin that one. Best just, just get rid of it. Best part of that ride I mean, it's perfect for young kids. They're having a great time. But the best part of that ride was at the the top of the roadway where you have your best view of the construction for the Tron light cycle ride. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, look at how they're really coming along. But that was my that was my personal favorite was actually getting a kind of as as up close of a look as you can on that construction, uh, which was pretty cool. But yeah, Tomorrowland Speedway, I cut I I, I got that off of my um, list. And then the other thing that I did, uh, and this was at Animal Kingdom. Uh, was Gorilla Falls. We did a bunch of things in Animal Kingdom, but it was it was a kind of greatest hits trip. Uh, we did yeah, we did we your Everest. Surprisingly, had a little bit because we only did a partial day mm-hmm. in Animal Kingdom, very small amount of time because we had already done Magic Kingdom. Yes, and we hopped over to Animal Kingdom before I had to head out to my flight. And I was thinking, oh, maybe we'll do Flight of Passage, grab some food, and we'll be we'll call it a day. Yeah, but we got to do Flight of Passage. We did Everest. Mm-hmm. We ended up doing Kilimanjaro Safaris. Yep, and um, and then as we were kind of getting close to being done and grabbing some food, we were like, "Oh, why don't we go look at the tigers?" Which... And um, quickly realized that they were going to close the paths before we were going to get over to the tigers. So we were like, "Well, we we're already by Gorilla Falls. So let's instead of seeing tigers, we're going to see gorillas." Yeah. Um, so then we we hopped into that, but then. <laughs> Right as we go in there, it's like, sorry, the gorillas are already, you know, put away for the night. So we're just like, okay, I guess we're just going to kind of walk around and look mm. at whatever's still out. But yeah. we found something even cooler, in my opinion, I'd, than the gorillas. I was considerably. I Listen, I've seen gorillas before at zoos, but I've never seen meerkats. <laughs> and let me tell you, there's something about meerkats that's just freaking entertaining. Well, I hadn't. So I've been on Gorilla Falls plenty of times, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I've seen the meerkats. But for whatever reason, this time, mm-hmm. you know, this was the first time we actually kind of stopped and took some time to kind of really just kind of hang out there. We yeah. had nothing else to do. Yeah, <laughs> and we started chatting up the, you know, the the workers there. There are two yeah. two workers that yeah. were kind of in that area that were, I guess, the experts that you could kind of talk to about what was going on with the meerkats. But um, yeah, the meerkats were really fun to watch. There were a bunch of them. They were very active. 
And just mm-hmm. in general, even when we were on Kilimanjaro safaris, it was I thought it was a one of the better times I had been on Kilimanjaro safaris because they mm-hmm. were during the feeding time. So yes. the, we actually saw the workers out putting the food out. We saw a lot of the animals kind of munching on food. It was it was a, a pretty cool pretty cool time at Animal Kingdom this time around. Yeah. Well and 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 we kind of had the two cast members to ourselves uh, to like chat up um, all about the the experience, and they they they, they were kind of like pretty chill because you could tell they were getting ready to clock out, be done for the day, and so they're very friendly, and even kind of describe like the meerkats pointing out who's like the appointed scout of the crew. I don't know what the plural for group of meerkats is, herd of <laughs> meerkats, but basically, like it was really cool. Like one of them would literally be kind of perched atop. Uh, looking left and right, like in the way that you could imagine a meerkat doing, and for a bit, and then they like had shift change out, and then the other one was <laughs> as they were looking out for threats, uh, and the rest of them were just kind of digging around and scratching their butts. It was just really funny. It was really good. But I, the my my favorite part, <laughs> my favorite part was I was just trying to like it almost was awkward because we were just standing there for so long watching the meerkats and had some like some minor questions or back and forth but then the cast they're just kind of staying there awkward so i just kind of brought up the first thing i could think of which is the animal kingdom documentary that i had seen on disney plus and in fact it's i haven't we haven't seen the full documentary there's actually a whole national geographic series on animal kingdom um which is what i uh which i, which I didn't realize but i'd seen the segment on the imagineering story uh and and it really showcased the conservation efforts so i was like oh hey and this is this is me being such like a, a podcaster kind of guy, but I'm like, so you know the media impact. You know, I was like, so a lot of people like uh, been asking about more. Is there more interest now that the Disney Plus series is out? And I think you can probably and you can probably best describe the guy's reaction. And he was like, yeah, no, he actually seemed genuinely excited for a moment about like, yeah, people have actually been more excited about the the animals themselves, the Animal Kingdom. Crazy, I know. Yeah, he was saying that they were. You know, they've kind of been tracking, I guess, you know, different, I don't know. Guest behavior, about, yeah. Yeah, different, yeah, guest behavior and stuff. And the, the fact that the Disney Plus, you know, documentary had focused on some of this stuff, actually, you know, they had seen a spike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were kind of joking around about the animals being kind of stars and like the different different people who had shown up. And it's like, oh, you know, they're kind of like, you kind of know their names now and stuff. And... <laughs> He, um, I, I don't even remember his name, which is probably why he's getting so mad <laughs> because nobody knows this guy, right? Yeah, but, but whose name do you remember? <laughs> but he wasn't. He was just like, oh yeah, Doctor Dan is all popular now. <laughs> you know, there was just a tinge of bitterness in his voice, almost like, oh, you put you put Doctor Dan on a couple episodes of Animal, you know, of Disney Plus Animal Kingdom, and now he's all famous, and nobody knows who I am. <laughs> It's so I great. hope I hope they do an episode in the maybe season two where they focus on the meerkats and this guy gets his his spotlight his fifteen minutes of fame because he seemed a little jealous of Doctor Dan. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, which it, it's funny because I knew exactly who he was talking about when he said Doctor Dan because <laughs> yes, Doctor Dan is in quite a few episodes and if you if you uh, Google his name you should be able to, you'll see right yeah. away yeah on the image search that he pops right up. Yep. No, and and but I will say this though: so I, we'd seen that segment on Imagineering Story, but now we are are excited to actually sit down and watch the magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom as it appeared on National Geographic and now uh, Disney Plus. So available right now, you can see 
Dr. Dan in all of his glory. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Yeah, that was a that was a fun documentary series. So I hope they hope yeah. they do more. And even I know that was kind of more animal based. So maybe that's why they were able to kind of do do what they did. But I would love to see kind of in depth documentaries on mm. all the parks like that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Imaginary Story is my favorite docu series, and maybe my favorite. Uh, content that i mean i love mandalorian because i'm a star wars fan but just like from sheer access to the history of disney and 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 access to the the history of each park as it was constructed in a sort of honest way that isn't like through the filter of like the i don't know like the typical holiday special that you see filmed Mm -hmm. in the parks yeah it's like the like where they talk about the failure of the of california adventure and detail why it 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 failed as a park because they weren't ambitious enough and it was just seen as a, you know, a step sibling to the original Disneyland and nobody went there for like the first two or three years and they had to like revamp everything and they were losing money. And they talk about it like, this is a Disney documentary and it's, it's a template that they followed with the frozen documentary of all things where they're really pulling back the curtain in a way that I think gives us a much more honest look at, um, uh, what what the pro- what the creative process is, which is messier than 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 sometimes we're led to believe. Right, but I, I yeah. love all that stuff. I love all that stuff. Um, I'll 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 give the we'll part the show with my last uh, last kind of mini segment here. It's really just a Disney a Disney hack, right? Put this on TikTok. Uh, a Disney hack. <laughs> uh, it's something that. Um, uh, my buddy Scott Rifen talked about a while ago, and and Savannah and I have done a few times, and it's it's a way of, for me, improves the Disney experience exponentially, and it's it's boring money stuff. It's 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 how do it's budgeting for your Disney trip. But I it, it was such an impact for us and our enjoyment of this trip that I thought I, I really kind of want to mention it, and it's it's. Literally as silly as buying Disney gift cards ahead of your trip, at saving up for your trip in the form of Disney gift cards, where you just make that small purchase, and and we would just keep we we literally put our entire Disney snack budget, and as you heard earlier in the show, a lot of Disney snacks, <laughs> and it cost of you know Disney costs money, and and I think by putting on by actually deciding ahead of time and putting it on gift cards, it ta- it really did take a lot of the stress of the expense of some of these trips out by kind of intentionally saving and and putting together some of our uh, money month to month over the last few months because we've known this trip was coming for a while because we were going to bookend the you know the wedding reception with it and we wanted to be able to splurge a bit so we were saving but by actually putting it on a, a disney car there's something really fun about just like going through getting our pins getting our drinks getting our snacks and meals and just and and just like keeping an eye on the balance as, as it went down but it was just it, it's not like free money but by just having it was guilt-free money because we had just put it on a disney gift card and 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 this the same thing would happen with cash or with the you know spending the same amount of money right out of your you know, checking account or whatever, but there was something about buying the Disney gift card uh, made the anticipation for the trip part of the experience, uh, and also made it just kind of guilt free as we uh, splurged a lot on a lot of food <laughs> this trip. So I highly recommend it if you're planning a Disney trip in the future. Uh, it's a really fun way to 
uh, especially if you like with a spouse or loved one or for your family, like buying each other gift cards so that you're saving up and getting extra money to spend because it's really easy to spend a lot of money at Disney. And I think in, in previous, in previous live, when I was, uh, there have t- been times where I've done Disney very irresponsibly and I'm just like, I'm I'm spending my, I'll figure it out when I get back. And then it's, but each day at the park, I'm like, uh, it's just this sort of like unknown of like, have I spent too much? I don't know. Hope I'm okay. But it's just a sort of tension. And, and since uh, it's something that Savannah and I it really uh, enjoyed, I, I just wanted to pass along that. Like, it's a really fun way to make your trip experience a lot, a lot better, in my opinion. So there you go. Very, okay. very, I guess, very boring kind of adult. Okay. Okay, Dave <laughs> But, uh, or you could do Disney like me and just find a, one of your credit cards that has a really big credit limit. <laughs> just go all out. Kids, don't listen. Don't, don't listen worry. to Uncle Aaron. That's bad advice. <laughs> That's a problem later. for future Aaron. Future Aaron can worry about that. <laughs> Hey, I keep going back, so it hasn't broken me yet. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So there you go. That's that's my very boring adult Dave Ramsey uh, Disney hack. It sounds way more cool if it's like a Disney hack. <laughs> I can just. Like, I've actually heard of. Uh, I should have my friend Tim on sometime. Um, hopefully, he'll get excited. I mentioned his name because I think he listens to our podcast <laughs> every once in a while. But he does this whole thing with, I think, Disney gift cards as well, where he finds. Um, where you can buy Disney gift cards, but if you get a certain amount, you get a, you know a percentage off. So you're basically buying, you know, a hundred dollars worth of gift card, but you're only spending like eighty five dollars. Mm. And so he, you know, basically has kind of come up with a hack in that he he can oh, buy nice. a lot of Disney gift cards, but you're only you're spending a lot less than the actual cash amount. Yeah, it's almost sort of like having a annual pass holder discount without having to be right, an yeah, annual pass holder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I should have him on sometime to maybe just yeah, explain d- how he does it, but that should, is a true hack. Yeah, we need to do some shameless like clickbaity Disney hack episodes. That'll yeah. get the downloads. There you That'll go. <laughs> Rolling in. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Mouse and Castle podcast. Thank, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We had a great time. Aaron, and thank you, sir. we kept our promise that we would not ride Pirates of the Caribbean together <laughs> after after our fallout. Just so we... Yeah. We, well, this, we, <laughs> sometimes your relationship gets to the point where you just can't talk about that subject. Yeah, and that is to become Pirates of the Caribbean for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's what that is uh, for us. So, you know, we're... We're functioning. We're dysfunctionally functioning. Hey, uh, shoot us an email, mouseandcastle at gmail.com. Stay in touch with the show um, at mouseandcastle on Twitter. You can also find us mouseandcastlepodcast.com. That's where you'll find this episode. This is episode 53 with links to uh, the entire, well, I say not links, but it will have the whole rundown of all the snacks that we've been talking about. If you want to, wait, what was that restaurant where we talked? Just go to the website, mouseandcastlepodcast.com. You can look at the notes for this episode, episode 53, and find everything that we've been uh, talking about. Mr. Aaron Goins, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AV Goins. You can also find my other podcasts, Star Wars Bookworms and Bad Wolf Radio. And uh, we did take some uh, Instagram pictures on the Mouse and Castle Instagram as yeah. well. Not a ton, but we did. We do. We threw a few uh, stories and images at that. Absolutely, account. yeah. We'll be we'll be posting uh, more pictures in the coming weeks from the trip and from our previous trips. It's always a great 
a way to kind of see the park through our lens. I actually had a great time while I was just I just got bored in the in the um, line for um, uh, the Seven Doors Mine Train and just try to do creative photography of different unusual perspectives of iconic park imagery because you always kind of see the same types of photos. This is what happens when you're waiting in the sun for an hour. Uh, and so I'll be posting those up to the uh, Mouse and Castle Instagram. Uh, just follow it at Mouse and Castle. And then I'll do a shameless plug. Why not? Uh, you can uh, you can follow me at the Riley Guy across social media platforms. But my, my new little, uh, little project, if you are interested, uh, is uh, I, I consolidated uh, and was having a hard, a hard time kind of keeping up with the idea of all these different newsletters that I was doing. I was, we had the Mouse and Castle newsletter, which I've talked about before, and we had um, the Star Wars Report newsletter, and then I, I kind of had the urge to write about some geeky topics or like po- a place to post pictures and, uh, you know, uh, from our trips, that kind of thing. So I sort of just rolled it all into one spot because it's the trendy thing to do. It's a sub stack. So I've got a sub stack. So if you want, I'm going to be uh, doing a newsletter recap of the trip, and it'll be like some of my personal thoughts and sharing uh, Disney stuff, Star Wars stuff, a little bit of military life stuff sprinkled in, travel sprinkled in. So it's going to all be in one place. It's just much simpler. If you're on the uh, Star Wars Report mailing list or the Mouse and Castle mailing list, you'll have already received my first update. But if you want to uh, get continued updates, just go to rileywrites.substack.com. It's really easy to remember. Riley Writes. The W-R-I-T-E-S. Riley Writes uh, Substack. Dot com. So there you go. Uh, it's like a blog slash newsletter slash, I don't know. It's what all the kids are doing. So I decided to copy them. So <laughs> uh, until next time, guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Mouse and Castle podcast. Keep the magic alive and in your own Disney hearts. Until next time, we'll see you. love that we've had this theme song the parsons farewell long before sea shanties were cool all right (laughs) it still bothers me that it's not disney (laughs) that's fair should have told me you're, you're about two years, uh, three years too late, but you should have told me. You liked it so much, I didn't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> like, you let me pick the name of the podcast, I let you pick the music. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair.